0: Ah, uh,
1: yes, welcome to the chat. This is the podcast powered by talk. My name is Greg. Thank you for joining me. Hey, we've got a great episode lineup for you, but before we meet our special guest, wait till you hear this. If you've ever tried on a pair of reading glasses from one of those rotating racks at your local superstore, then you probably know what a splitting headache feels like. It's time for news of the weird, wacky, and the wild. Here's the problem. As we get older, one of the things many of us start to lose is our ability to focus on objects closer to us. But instead of prescription glasses, contacts, or surgery, many folks who haven't needed help with their vision before turn to those cheap reading glasses from the local corner shop. That means spinning the wheel, trying on a few pairs, and going home with that one, which may help you pick up the juicy biography you've been meaning to read. The non-prescription brands are an imprecise fix, however. They can do a number on your eyes by causing eye strain. The good news is that an Israeli tech company called Deep Optics is working on a souped-up pair of specs that takes the guesswork out of reading glasses and just raised $4 million in investor funding to help them do so. The lenses adjust focus automatically, using sensors and a processor to determine what a user is looking at. That makes them an attractive alternative to the progressive lenses available at the optometrist's office and the knockoff versions available in your local drugstore, which vary their focusing power in different areas of the lenses. The company's omnifocals are designed for folks with presbyopia, a condition that describes the difficulty focusing on nearby objects. Omnifocals feature a liquid crystal lens that covers a wearer's full field of view and electronically adjusts its focus based on information sent from the sensor to the processor. Unlike traditional lenses, the crystal version eliminates distortion in any area of the user's view. So say you're poring over that best-selling biography when your spouse walks in to show you some carpet swatches for your living room makeover project. With conventional lenses, the swatches may look distorted unless you check them out through the bottom portion of the lens. Omnifocals adjust on the fly so that you can see the carpet sample crisply and make the right decision accordingly. How does it work? The processor sends tiny electric volts to the lenses every time the sensor tells it that your eyes are moving. Those volts change the lens focus with little tweaks to how the lens refracts or bends light as it enters. The result is a more precise view that gives users the power to jump into that steamy biography, mull over flooring options, and toss those old plastic reading glasses in the nearest trash can. All in one fell swoop. And that is your Weird, Wacky, and Wild News. we That beautiful voice you're listening to, no, not mine, belongs to my very special guest. She is an accomplished jazz singer whose vocal renditions will transport you to another place and another time. Her album, Tide Dreams, is a collection of bosses, big band, and ballads, and it's available now. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Chat Podcast Lounge, a lovely and incredibly talented Cynthia Lee. Thanks for stopping by.
2: great. This is exciting.
1: All right. Well, let's take a look back to where it all started. Both of your parents were in the entertainment industry. Can you tell us a little bit about them?
2: Uh, my father was a bassist, a jazz bassist. Um, he was an accomplished musician, uh, session musician, recording musician. Well, I was born in Vegas. So uh, the first I remember my father, he played in the uh, casinos then at that time for all the big names like uh, Tony Bennett, Peggy Lee, Mel Torme, people like that. So that's the earliest I can remember uh, as far as that. And uh, growing up in a family with entertainment was very interesting. It was definitely a different life culturally. I met a lot of performing arts people that were very interesting and inspiring. I grew up also, you know, as a kid going to rehearsals with my father in casinos, clubs, you know, just kind of hanging out, listening to them rehearse. So that was very interesting. And the same thing uh, also happened with my mother because we were all in entertainment. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a great story. So at what age did you first start singing?
2: Um, I started singing at five. But then by the time I was eight is when my father put me out in front of people. Um, The first time I ever sang was with my dad's uh, jazz trio at an event that he was doing. And he put me out there to sing. song that he taught me very well which was hello dolly of all
0: songs
2: (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty good you know and i mean it was really exciting you know at eight years old but i have to tell i mean it was frightening because that was my very first time but my father mentored me he was really a great mentor and so he started mentoring at a very young age obviously and uh, by the time i was uh, 15 um, i was now singing in clubs at the end of every set with him Wow. And singing like two or three
1: songs. That's certainly a trial by fire, as they say, right?
2: Yes, yeah. It was very, very exciting, interesting life. Um, I had to go through definitely a lot of changes because it's as a child for me, I mean, you know, it can be a little challenging and frightening when your parents put you out there in front of a bunch of people.
1: <laughs> well, let's circle back and talk about the record. The album plays homage to several classic jazz tunes. And when it came time to pick tracks for Tide Dreams, how difficult was that selection process for you?
2: Um, it, it wasn't really difficult. It just took some thought, you know, time for me to figure out what it was that I wanted to get across on my album, The Feeling. And it, what's interesting about it is that it just kind of came all together on its own, uh, you know, as I went through the thought process. And I wanted it to be uh, with the bosses. I wanted to be like light and flowy. And I had this idea in my head about, you know, the ocean and beachy and, you know, love and romance. So I had all that in my head. And then, of course, then I wanted to put a couple of originals in there. So the first original that was, you know, that's on my album is called That's Love. And that was written by uh, Todd Hunter, Stephanie, Rebecca Spring, and Dean Crutch. So they offered that song to me, and I decided to take that on. And I wanted to do another one. So my son Jordan, I asked him, I said, do you think you can write a song for my album? And he says, yeah, let me try. So here he came up with a song Tide Dreams, which is, I love the song, it's fantastic. And Todd Hunter, who was my producer on the album, he took the song that Jordan wrote and then he arranged it. But Jordan wrote all the melody, he wrote the lyrics, so, and Todd arranged it, which it turned out to be a really awesome piece of work. And at first I was gonna name my album, uh, That's Love, because that was the first original I had. But then as I went further with it, and all the songs came together, like the bosses and everything and then so I, was gonna, I wanted the graphics to be on my album, in the ocean and I'm actually in the ocean in that picture I'm actually in the ocean, but I had my son, Jordan, he's also a graphic artist. So he did all the graphics for my, for my CD cover. Wow. And, uh, so I was actually in the water (laughs) doing all these, what you see on the front cover and on the back, (laughs) I had said, make it look surreal. So then it kind of just started changing the dynamic of the title and everything. And then I decided, you know, no, I, I'm going to call it tide dreams.
1: Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah, because it, it fits in with all the songs and the beachy, flowy, romantic love, and you know, and just the fun big band. So that really, as it just went along, it just kind of naturally fell into place. It took one year though. And from the beginning of the project, it took one year to actually oh. be finished and done. So making a CD, what I found and learned, and this is my first time ever making. A CD. And I have to, you know, my own album, which believe me, it was the most exciting thing of my life.
1: I can imagine.
2: And it still is. But I never knew. I learned so much putting it together. And it's not something that just happens in just a few weeks, you know, overnight. Right. It takes time and it thought and you're, you're putting all this stuff together. But while you're doing it, and, and while I was doing it, you know, I was amazed. I'm like, wow, this took me a whole year. <laughs> From beginning to end to finish this, it was just amazing. But I learned so much, and I really look forward to being able to do it again if I can.
1: That was my next question. Will there be a follow-up to Tide Dreams? I hope so. Yeah.
2: Once you do it, like once I've done this, it's like now it's like, oh, I, I love it. Now I know how it goes. I've learned more from this and just the excitement of making another album, putting together another compilation of songs coming up with another creative idea to make another type of album, you know? So I, yes, it's, I want to, it's something I would love to do. It's like in my, it's in my blood now, like, Oh my gosh, I got to do this again.
1: The creative process certainly can be addictive.
2: Yes, it is. It's, yeah. it's really, and when you get the finished product, that's what's so rewarding. You're like, wow. Okay. But then again, As a performer, as a as a singer, person, I mean I'm also a perfectionist. So that's the other thing I learned when I was doing this. And you know, I'm a perfectionist. So at the end of it, when you're actually, you know, fine-tuning everything and trying to make it all come together and sound good. I mean, it was it was a little rough. I mean, I had to like make all kinds of notations because I became the co-producer on my album. I had to make all kinds of notations. You need to bring uh, the reverb up here, cut this you know and bring the music up. I mean there's a lot of technical stuff that comes at the end of it. I yeah. had a great engineer but the thing is that it yeah it's it's a lot so I've learned how I would handle the next one definitely for
1: sure. as a singer and as one who performs live quite a bit mm-hmm. what's the main difference between being in the studio and performing in a venue?
2: Well, for me, you know, I can't speak for other performers, but for me, recording is very nerve wracking to me because here's the thing, when you're recording, it's recording every little thing. And so if you make a mistake and there's, it's recording every flaw. It's, so for me, I was just like, you know, I got to get this perfect while I'm actually recording it. I got to make sure that I'm seeing everything, phrasing everything correctly pitch and everything so for me yeah you know because also I'm a perfectionist and uh the last thing I want is to have my voice like auto-tuned to death (laughs) (laughs) so you know for me it was yes it was hard work where I'm when I'm singing live it's more relaxed because I'm not picking on every little thing if I do something I sing something a little different or whatever I'm not just I'm more relaxed Right. And when you're performing, people don't really they're not listening. If you make a mistake or you know, you forget lyrics or whatever. They don't really know. And they'd have to be like an incredible music person to go, oh, I know what you I know what just happened with you, you know. But it's it's so much easier for me to sing live. Recording is is a hard thing and because I want it right. Right. And people are gonna be listening to it. All over. And I didn't do this album just for for locally, to throw it. I mean, I had incredible musicians on this album, all session musicians, the saxophone player, the bass player, Dave Robert and Catisse Buckingham just got through playing on Michael Bublé's new album. Oh, wow. So, you know, I mean, and all these musicians are just top notch session musicians. So, yeah. and there was a lot of investment put into this. And so, you know, I wanted it to be top notch. So, yes, I worked really hard on this. If I did a recording, like I have some recordings where I did demos, you know, I'd go into my son's studio and do some like demo singing, you know. Then you're just like, it's a demo. You throw it out there. You put it online. It's it's different. But doing this, yes, this project was for me like I wanted it to be just right. Okay, so I worked hard on it. So it was a lot different than just me having fun doing my gigs, you know.
1: And you can certainly hear the hard work in each and every song. It's very crisp, it's very clean, it's a light sound, and it just is absolutely phenomenal to listen to.
2: Well, I'm glad you like it. I mean, that was my hope, you know, my dream. And I'm really excited that the response that I've had so far. I released it officially March 1st. And since then I've been really pleased with, you know, what I'm seeing and, uh, and just also keeping track and what songs people are really liking the most. It's very interesting, but I'm very happy that people love it and they're, I'm getting a good response. That's the whole goal, you know,
1: that's great to hear. I'm going to ask you a tough question now. Mm-hmm. What would you say is one or two of your most favorite tracks from the album, mm. I'm putting you on the spot.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really funny because I am a big bossa lover. I love bossas and I love yeah. to sing bossas. So I have to say, I'm I love Blue Bossa. I love how it turned out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, let me say a little bit about that is be- when okay, Blue Bossa has always been recorded as an instrumental. It's only been uh, actually recorded with the lyrics one time and then the, uh, the lyrics weren't actually completely sung by the person, it was kind of more oh, like really? scatting. Okay. So when I found the, when I looked at Blue Bossa and I was looking at bosses, yep. I saw, oh my gosh, this song has lyrics. I was totally shocked. And then when I presented this to other musicians these and even the musicians didn't know it had lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So when I read the lyrics, I thought this is awesome. So I said, I'm going to do this song
1: with the lyrics.
2: And that's what makes it so great on the album because it's not been done like that. So I'm really proud of that piece. I think the instrumentation on it is amazing. I love the flute. I wanted the flute to be prominent. And, uh, I love the lyrics I think it's great And so I have to say It's one of my favorites Of how it turned out Just because of that story That I told you Yeah I, I and,
1: did not know that
2: Yeah So it's really exciting And it's really It's hard Also um, You know It's hard for me to just say Two songs um, Yeah I, I love I, I do love Once I love too Because it's a beautiful bossa mm-hmm. Written by Antonio Carlos Bean, Beam And I love his music so Of course You know He wrote the famous Girl from Benema.
1: Um, oh, yes.
2: Yeah, and so I love, you know, and then, of course, uh, You're Everything. I need to talk about that because that was written by Chick Corea. And he did okay. that.
1: Okay, yeah, very famous, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so uh, he did that with a, a singer called Flora Purim, and it actually came out in the 70s. And the song, actually the original, is very fast-moving, the tempo, you know, and everything. So to do this song, which I have to give credit to Todd Hunter, the producer, he arranged it in a more of a kind of smooth jazz feel. Mm. So it's very different. And I, I liked it. At first, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure about it. Yeah. But as, you know, I recorded it and as I've heard it over and over, I really, really have come to love that because it was done in a different way. Right. Um, it has a different style. As far as in the other song chorus, I love one of my all-time favorite songs. I love all of them, just to be honest with you, but I do have my favorites. But I do uh, <laughs> love Being Green. And I did that song on the album, and that was a tribute to my father. It's kind of funny, I have it's in the middle. It's like, I think it's number seven on the list. But, you know, it's, just, it's a song that's in the middle. I know it's like, throws off, it, you know, it ties in. It does tie in, but it kind of, it's a little different from the other songs. But it's a tribute to my father, who I sang this actually at my father's memorial. My father was a great musician and amazing, but he died on stage at 62 years old, November 20th, 1983, in oh. the middle of a song, which was very horrible. Yeah. but. Um, I sang this, it was one of his favorite songs that uh, I sang, and he's actually the one who taught me this song. When I was a teenager, he, uh, you know, it's a song from Sesame Street, which is really yeah. funny because yeah. Kermit the Frog sang it, but he said, you know, of course, sings it in a funny way. But then my dad said, I want you to do this song in a jazz style. So that's where I first started doing it when I was, when I was like around 16 years old. And I say, I ended up singing it as Memorial because it was one of his favorite songs. And the, the song has a lot of meaning. It's not just Kermit the Frog, funny, funny, you know, ha, ha. Right. It has a lot of deep meaning. And uh, so many people love this song. They'll tell, I love that song being green because I think people, they kind of, they associate themselves with some of the, the lyrics and how they feel about themselves and life. Mm hmm. It's a good song. It has a lot of deep meaning to it. So that's definitely one of my favorite ones, and I love the instrumentation on that. I love the the bass intro, which I purposely had arranged in there so that it was accentuating the bass, right. because that was another tribute to my father. Yeah. So, yes, um, overall, you know, I would say, yeah, those are songs I love. I love big band stuff. I love Honeysuckle Rose.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: I mean, I, I really I can't say, you know, as I listen to the album, which I do, I listen to it quite often. I'm, I'm very happy with the sequence of it, too, from how uh, the songs are placed on the album. I think it makes sense.
1: From start to finish, it has a great flow to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. See, it's nice to hear somebody say that, too. It's great.
1: In addition to your singing career, You've been expanding your horizons into other areas. I understand that you're doing some voiceover work, correct?
2: Um, I have done voiceover work, yes. Back years ago, <laughs> when I first moved to L.A., I used to do voiceovers for a company called Pickwick International. And back then, of course, we had vinyl records. And so I would do uh, five-minute radio voiceovers for um and Sears, and, uh, wow. yeah, it was for these, but they were put, they were sent over, they were on the radio, uh, up in, uh, the Northwest and Washington. And I think over like it would air over in like places like, uh, Montana and surrounding areas around there. Um, I did have like a voiceover I did for a company, a landscaping company that aired all over LA for a while, but yeah, I did that for a while and it was exciting. It was a, uh, you know, that was something I did back then and it was a lot of fun.
1: Sounds like it. If you don't mind sharing, can we get some advice from you? You're an incredibly busy woman. What are some tips that you can offer to our listeners to help them find balance with having family life and a professional career?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> well, I think that when it comes to, uh, your music. Uh, I have to say this. I mean, I've been in music my whole life, obviously. Okay. And I've raised four kids and I have nine grandchildren now that which one was born
1: just July 4th here, just a couple of days ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah.
2: And then next month, another, that's 10.
1: (laughs) Wow. Good for you. Yeah.
2: Raising my kids. I still always had my hand in music. Um, I taught voice for 10 years up in Seattle And and then I also worked in the uh, cosmetic fragrance industry. So raising my children, I did all this, but I always kept my hand in music. I did gigs, you know, I do gigs here and there while I was raising my kids. I used to work at this place called Verrazano's and I would perform every Wednesday there. So I always kept my hand in music. But at that, at that point though, in my life, I really kind of put my music, it it was on the side, but I always kept myself in, you know, I couldn't do it full blown because I had to take care of my family. But I always had my hand in it. always was working on my music. So now I just actually started when I turned. Oh, I'm not going to tell my age.
0: <laughs>
2: Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm treading now. You're
1: 29.
2: <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. So actually when I was like about six, about eight years ago, I told myself, mm-hmm. I said, that's, you know, I'm just going to put myself back in music full blown and start mm-hmm. working on it, which I did. So I started, you know recording some little recording putting the demos out creating you know my pages on the internet and stuff like this and then like about let me see about you know it's probably maybe four five years ago then I was uh, very blessed by a very wonderful special person with a my sound system and so I started putting I got I got a few gigs I put some you know musicians together at different gigs and then I started also making my own library of tracks, my own personal library of tracks, which I do a lot of just single gigs on my own um, so I can get more work that way. So I do that. And um, as far as my kid, my grandkids, yes, I balance all that around, you know, but they're my grandkids. I make sure I spend time with them. But my, I am full blown into my music. I have the time now and I can do it. So you know that's really a blessing that I can do that now. And I always say, then I had, and honestly, I have to say, I've I've just been very blessed with my dream. I've never let go of my dream to make an album of my own and to use my music to its, you know, the highest ability that I can. Yeah. I'm very blessed. I was blessed by being gifted with a beautiful sound system that I have definitely used to, you know, and made sure that I used it and I use it and I work, I'm not letting it go to the wayside, but making something of a gift that someone gave you. And then I also was approached. The reason I got to do my own, I was approached by these beautiful friends of mine that are my, were my investors and they are my investors. And they're some of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life they're beautiful people and uh, that's Michael and Joni Cardero which I would say their name because they're amazing and they actually they enabled me to do this and so it's just really exciting so I've always been this way anyway no, no matter what I've been going through in my life I believe you think positive you have faith you move forward don't give up your dreams that's what I tell people don't give up your dreams what your dream is, work towards it. Work hard. Perfect whatever it is your dream, perfect it. If you're in the entertainment industry, it takes a lot of work. You have to really, like old school sand, uh, were woodshed, you have to work hard. You have to get out there and make yourself known. You've got to get out around people. You have to be open and say, you know, I'm interested in coming here and playing. So, you know, you've got to be bold in a lot of ways. Right. You can't just sit back and dream. You know, you can dream, but don't stick back in your dream. You have to be active. You have to move forward in it and proactive. It's not just going to come to you. I'm not saying because, I mean, people are very, I was very blessed where it came to me, but that's because I was already out there doing, working hard. If you really want to live your dream as a performer, it's not easy. And I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not easy. You got to get up. Right. You got to get out there and you got to put yourself out there. And you, if you want to be really good, then you have to practice and you have to work, 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 work hard. And, and that's really what it is. And it's in the end, it's very rewarding. It depends on how bad you want it. How bad do you want it? And what will you do to achieve it? And which means working hard, perfecting your gift, getting out there with people, promoting yourself, believing in yourself. And that is true. Number one, you have to believe in yourself. So the more you believe in yourself, the, the further you're going to go.
1: Agreed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: That's what I would say to people. Just don't give up because dreams still do come true when you put yourself out there and work hard. They come true. When you have gifts, use your gifts because you need to give your gifts to the world. And it doesn't mean you're... Being, like my album, I'm not famous, you know? I mean, I'm getting out there more, but you know what I mean? I'm, right. I'm not famous, but my music's out there and it's about the artistry of it and the hard work that was put into it and the, the meaning, the emotion, the feeling of it that I'm trying to convey to a person, to the people that are hearing it, that it moves their heart.
1: Exactly.
2: And that's the most important thing. So it is the artistry of it. It's the it's the emotion and the feeling that you put out there for people to enjoy and, and and affect their lives in a very happy joyous good way. So that's really the point of doing music, you know, it really is. And so that's really what I would have to what I have to say to people who are out there doing that.
1: Certainly great words of advice and wisdom from somebody who's been there and done that. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. We're nearly out of time, but before we wrap up the show, let's find out where we can purchase Tide Dreams.
2: Okay. You can purchase it on iTunes, CD Baby, Spotify, Amazon. Also, I have hard copies, which uh, you can. uh, I will start giving them to CD Baby to sell, but you can also buy them through my website which is being set up right now to be able to purchase them through my website.
1: Excellent. Good.
2: Which the hard copies are beautiful. I mean, it tells the artists, the, the graphics everything are great. And it tells the story inside of why I did this album. And it's a great piece of work. I just,
1: I'm really excited. I love it. Where can we find you and follow you on social media? You're on Facebook, Twitter, where else are you at?
2: Well, Instagram just recently. <laughs> Okay, um, Reverb Nation. Okay. It's Reverb Nation slash The Cynthia Lee. Website is TheCynthiaLee.com. Okay. And so basically, uh, those are the places. Um, if you go just to my website, you can find me on everything else.
1: Excellent. So it,
2: I would just suggest going to TheCynthiaLee.com and then you can go down to the other buttons, you know, like Facebook, Reverb Nation, Twitter. Uh, You can go find me in all those areas. And if you Google me, Cynthia Lee, um, pretty much I come up all over
1: the place. Great. Well, it sounds like you have all bases covered.
2: Yes, it's going good. Yeah, getting out there.
1: Well, Cynthia, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here. It's been great getting to know you and hear your story.
2: Thank you. Well, it's been wonderful. I really appreciate it.
1: And friends, thank you for listening in. As always, we appreciate your support. Hey, you can drop us a line at chatpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Chat Pod. And look for us on Facebook at The Chat Podcast. And to be sure that you don't miss a single episode of The Chat, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts can be found. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. On behalf of my special guest, Cynthia Lee, we'll see you again next time here in the chat.
0: It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of a leaf when I think it could be much nicer Being red or yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that It's not that easy being green It seems you blend in with so many other people tend to pass you over cause you're not standing out like flashy sparklers on the water or stars in the sky but green is the color of spring